All right. Hey, everybody. I want to thank you for tuning in to this episode of Bible News Radio. As you all know, I'm your sweet and lovable host, Stacey Lynn Harp. And this is different music. Yeah, it is. Uh, we're trying some new things here <laughs> at the show. Anyway, I um, want to let you know if you're on YouTube, that do me a favor. If you haven't subscribed to the show yet, hit subscribe and hit the like button. <laughs> I don't like this music. It's very irritating. <laughs> uh, anyway. <laughs> hey, you got to try new stuff, right? That's why we've been on air forever. Okay, anyway. Um, yeah, don't forget to hit the like button because that actually helps pe- more people see it. And, and as you know, big tech. Yeah big meanie tech is like banning people everywhere (laughs) you are banned in fact i don't know if you heard this but um there is a very popular anti-vax pastor named greg Locke, who was just kicked off twitter (laughs) yeah he was he was kicked off twitter because he was too vocal about not wanting to be vaccinated and lots of times you know when you get those type of pastors you know Twitter wants to silence people like that, which is why you need to be smart on Twitter, smart on Facebook. Facebook hates you, just so you know. They hate you. If you're a biblical Christian, they totally don't like you, Uh, and neither does Twitter. So this hour, what we're going to do is we're going to talk about if you're going to be able to stand against the universal vaccine agenda. Yeah, and this is honestly a question that all of us have to ask. And and I'm and here's the thing. I'm asking it this way. And I will say this for those among you who think I'm so like anti-vax, blah blah blah, blah whatever, okay? Um, <laughs> hear me, open thou ears. If you have ears to hear, may you hear correctly in Jesus' name. Okay. So him who has ears to hear, let him hear. <laughs> If you're listening to the audio, I lifted up my hair and showed my ears that way, you know, you could kind of get the joke. Anyway, if you want to get vaccinated, go for it. That's your choice. You have the right to get vaccinated. It is your choice if you want to be vaccinated. But it should also be a choice if you don't want to be vaccinated, right? I mean, this is America after all. Yeah, it is. Well, but this isn't an American issue. I have to tell you, this is a world issue. Think about that. You got to ask yourself, hmm, why is the whole world wanting everybody to get vaccinated? Why is the people in the medical world, why are so many nurses and doctors saying, uh-uh, no way, Jose, I am not going to get vaccinated. But then you have other people who are like, I am totally going to get vaccinated. <laughs> and like I said last week, if you watch the show, I hate talking about this topic, but I have to talk about it because it's a topic of our day. And when the government begins to mandate something and tell you, you can't eat here, or you can't travel somewhere, or you know what, you can't work here, they're doing everything that they can to make sure that you can't do whatever it is you need to do to survive if you don't get some vaccine you don't want, then you got to ask yourself, why? This is why I think we're living in the times when the Lord is coming back. 
because there's too many things happening on a universal international level. There's too many things. There are too many things that, that are happening. And so what I want to say is that in this hour, what we're going to do is we're going to look at the book of Daniel. We're going to look at Daniel chapter 1 and Daniel chapter 6. And from there, we're going to look at some principles that we can learn from Daniel. Because I think a lot of times people forget who Daniel was, right? Daniel is one of the coolest people in the Bible, actually. He was very young, and he actually lived to a very, very old age. And he's one of the only prophets, and he was a prophet, in the Bible that we see such a long extended life and he never made any egregious errors like that we know that you know there was never anything like major that he did like Jonah he left he bolted he's like I'm out of here I ain't gonna go tell those Ninevites who you know were the evilest people on the planet that you know that God loves them and that they need to repent or they're gonna die Daniel never did that in fact he and his three buddies they were brought into Babylonian captivity and they stood for Jesus the way, well, it doesn't say Jesus per se, but we know that that's who he's standing for. They stood for him in a culture that intentionally targeted them. And we're going to look at that here from the word of God. So uh, I want to say hi to you out there. I know Deborah was watching last hour and Gina and some other friends were watching Thank you all for tuning in, and I really appreciate the fact that you do tune in because we change the show to once a week. Uh, and I want to let you know again, if you're new, you can go over to hearttug.org, and that's two T's, org. You can go there. And I should also give a shout-out and a thank you again to Dave and Pam Gillespie for donating the beautiful logo that they did for us, the Heart Tug logo, when you go to our uh website up there in the upper right hand corner or left hand wherever you're at there's that little heart tug dave did that uh and um, pam has actually uh, been very instrumental in in the bible reading accountability stuff that we're doing so those two have you know influenced our ministry greatly and so gillespies we love you and thank you for doing that all right also gotta tell you though that um that you know, ministries need money to run. So if you feel led to donate to the show, you can also do that on our website. And on our website, it talks about what we do. That's what you're funding. So just know that. All right. Okay. Now let's look at Daniel chapter one. I'm reading out of the 1995 New American Standard Version. And we're just going to look at this as an overview. Okay. So it says here, in the third year of the reign of Jehoi- Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar boy, I can talk, <laughs> king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. The Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand, along with some of the vessels of the house of God. He brought them to the land of Shinar, to the house of his God. He brought the vessels into the treasury of his God. Then the king ordered Ashpenaz, the chief of his officials, to bring in some of the sons of Israel, a.k.a. Jews, including some of the royal family and of the nobles, youths, in whom was no defect, who were good-looking, showing intelligence in every branch of wisdom, endowed with understanding and discerning knowledge, and who had ability for serving in the king's court. And he ordered him to teach them the literature and language of the Chaldeans. 
The king appointed for them a daily ration from the king's choice food and from the wine which he drank and appointed that they should be educated three years, at the end of which they were to enter the king's personal service. Now among them from the sons of Judah were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Then the commander of the officials assigned new names to them, and to Daniel he assigned the name Belteshazzar, to Hananiah, Shadrach, to Mishael, Meshach, and to Azariah, Abednego. Okay, first of all, note here a couple of things really quick. Number one, <clears throat> these guys, Daniel, uh, did not, you know, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, these guys, they were minding their own business one day when all of a sudden, poof, they were summoned to come here and do this thing. They were picked. Why were they picked? Because they were blameless young men. They were good looking. They were smart. They had intelligence and wisdom and discernment. Um, and they were notable. Okay. So the king appointed them his food, right? What he wanted them to eat. And this is not a bad thing when you think about it, right? I mean, how many of us, let's be honest, if, you know, I got a call from President Biden, <coughs> I mean, yeah. anyway, if I got a call from him and he said, hey, Stacey Lynn Harp, I am going to appoint you as the press person here and every day you get your favorite food, I'd be like, yeah, ribs and french fries every day, woohoo, you know, I would be like, who could, that would be hard to turn down, just saying, Especially if I had Rocky Road ice cream for dessert with it. That would be ultimate. And if I had French toast for breakfast, there you go. That's the way to get to my heart. Ribs, French fries, Rocky Road, and French toast. That would be the ultimate in greatness, in my opinion. But anyway, <clears throat> he, you know, and then if Biden wanted to teach me everything that he knew, like the literature and, and his language, and he ordered them to get taught. So the king appointed them for the daily rations of food and all that. And, and then these guys, these four guys, they, they were picked. So they had nothing to do with it. I don't even know. Do you ever wonder what Daniel's life was before this? Like, what did he do? We don't know. We have no idea. But him and his buddies, they got picked. <clears throat> then in verse 8, it says, But Daniel made up his mind that he would not defile himself with a king's choice food or with the wine which he drank. So he sought permission from the commander of the officials that he might not defile himself. Isn't that interesting? I always, I've, I always think this is interesting that Daniel sought permission to not defile himself. Do you know how naturally it comes to us to defile ourselves? It's inherent in our nature to defile ourselves. It's inherent in our sinful nature to do bad stuff, to feel good, to do stuff that makes us feel good. Um, and it's hard not to defile ourselves because we live in a world that that's what it's all about. And verse 9, Now God granted Daniel favor and compassion in the sight of the commander of the officials. And the commander of the officials said to Daniel, I am afraid of my Lord, the king, who has appointed your food and your drink for... Why should he see your faces looking more haggard than the youths who are your own age? Then you would make me forfeit my head to the king. But Daniel said to the overseer, whom the commander of the officials had appointed over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, please test your servants for 10 days and let us be given some vegetables to eat 
and water to drink. And then let our appearance be observed in your presence and in the appearance of the youths who are eating the king's choice food and deal with your servants according to what you see. So this tells us another thing here. Don't miss this. The other thing it tells you is that these four guys were not the only guys picked. There were other kids that were picked also. And so they could not have been compared if there wasn't other people there eating the king's food. So the four decided, you know what? Can we just do it for 10 days? Because the guy was scared he was going to lose his life if he asked the king that, right? Um, So he listened to them in this matter and tested them for 10 days. At the end of 10 days, their appearance seemed better, and they were fatter than all the youths who had been eating the king's choice food. So the overseer continued to withhold their choice food and the wine they were to drink and kept giving them vegetables. As As for these four youths, God gave them knowledge and intelligence in every branch of literature and wisdom. Daniel even understood all kinds of visions and dreams. Then at the end of the days which the king had specified for presenting them, the commander of the officials presented them before Nebuchadnezzar. The king talked with them and added them. All, not one, was found like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. So they entered the king's personal service. And as for every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king consulted them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and conjurers who were in all his realm. And Daniel continued until the first year of Cyrus the king. Okay? So this is the beginning. This is how it started out. And Daniel, many commentators, they believe he was in his teens, you know, probably mid-teens there when they started. And Daniel died a relatively old guy. I think he was, I can't remember how old he was, but I think he was over 80 at least. Well, anyway, a whole bunch of stuff happens in Daniel. He's called forth, and at at certain points in time, he has to make choices, and they have to be in alignment with what he believes his God said. And, you know, sometimes just like what happened with Joseph and when he was thrown into the pit by his brothers, you know, things happened and, Joseph was forgotten, even though there was an award that was supposed to be given to Joseph. Well, kind of the same thing here. Daniel, stuff happens. And the government notices this Daniel guy, and they decide to specifically target him. So let's read this. Daniel chapter 6. So it says here... It seemed good to Darius to appoint 120 satraps over the kingdom that they would be in charge of the whole kingdom and over them three commissioners commissioners of whom Daniel was one that these satraps might be accountable to them and that the king might not suffer loss then this Daniel began distinguishing himself among the commissioners and satraps because he possessed an extraordinary spirit and the king planned to appoint him over the entire kingdom then the commissioners and satraps I don't know if I'm saying that right, by the way, but that's how I'm saying it, began trying to find a ground of accusation against Daniel in regard to government affairs. But they could find no ground of accusation or evidence of corruption inasmuch as he was faithful and no negligence or corruption was to be found in him. Then these men said, We will not find any ground of accusation against this Daniel unless we find it against him with regard to the law of his 
God. That should be our goal. <laughs> right? Okay. So these guys, they knew Daniel was not corrupt. You know, like we were talking in last hour about, about the hirelings, right? Daniel was no hireling. Daniel was appointed by God to be in that position with his buddies. And now these government officials who are evil to the core, yeah, they were. They wanted to go after Daniel, but they knew inherently that they couldn't set him up because he wouldn't cave. They knew that they couldn't set him up, you know, morally, ethically, or anyway, because he, he just, there was no evidence of corruption, not, not an ounce, not one ounce. So they thought, aha, this is how we'll do it. We will set him up in regard to the law of his God. Don't ever let anybody tell you your faith ain't important or is it's not valuable and it's not powerful in, in the culture. Because people of faith, when you're standing with your faith, what I will tell you is that your faith is extremely important and it's very visible, even though you might not think so. People see it. Continuing, verse 6. Then these commissioners and satraps came by agreement to the king and spoke to him as follows. King Darius, live forever. All the commissioners of the kingdom, the prefects and the satraps, the high officials and the governors have consulted together that the king should establish a statue and enforce an injunction that anyone who makes a petition to any god or man besides you, O king, for 30 days shall be cast into the lion's den. Now, O king, establish the injunction and sign the document so that it may not be changed according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which may not be revoked. Therefore, King Darius thought about it, and he thought, what about Daniel? Huh, I wonder if Daniel would sign this. <laughs> no, he signed the document, and that is the injunction. Now, when Daniel knew that the document was signed, he entered his house. Now in his, house, uh, now in his roof chamber, he had windows open towards Jerusalem. And he continued kneeling on his knees three times a day, praying and giving thanks before his God as he, as he had been doing previously. But wait, hey, what the heck, Daniel? You, you are, you're breaking the law. What the heck? Hey, how dare you? Then these men came by agreement and found Daniel making petition and supplication before his God. Then they approached and spoke before the king about the king's injunction did you not sign an injunction that any man who makes a petition to any god or man besides you, O king, for 30 days is to be cast into the lion's den? The king replied, The statement is true, according to the law of the Medes and Persians, which may not be revoked. Then they answered and spoke before the king, Daniel, Daniel, who is one of the exiles from Judah, pays no attention to you, O king, or to the injunction which you signed, but keeps making his petition Three times a day. Now, my question is, do you think they did this on the first day that he did this? I think so. I think they were like, okay, I'm ready. You know, got the camera on you right now. We're going to spy on you, Daniel. We're going to make sure we know that you're coming out at, you know, morning, noon, and night to pray or whatever it was he did. And they're like, ooh, you're busted. Then, as soon as the king heard this statement, he was deeply distressed, and he set his mind on delivering Daniel. And even until sunset, he kept exerting himself to rescue him. Then these men came by agreement to the king and said to the king, Recognize, O king, 
that it is the law of the Medes and Persians that no injunction or statute which the kings established may be changed. Then the king gave orders, and Daniel was brought in and cast into the lion's den. The king spoke and said to Daniel, Your God, whom you constantly serve, will himself deliver you. A stone was brought and laid over the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet ring and with the signet rings of his nobles so that nothing would be changed in regard to Daniel. Then the king went off to his palace and spent the night fasting, and no entertainment was brought before him, and his sleep fled from him. I love this. I love, I love the king here because this, this king was easily led to, but he was also influenced by this godly man in his presence. Then the king arose at dawn at the break of day, and he went in haste to the lion's den. When he had come near to, to when he came, when he had come near the den to Daniel, he cried out with a troubled voice. The king spoke and said to Daniel, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you constantly serve, been able to deliver you from the lions? Can you imagine the question, the tone, and the fear in that? Then Daniel spoke to the king, O king, live forever. My God sent his angel and shut the mouths, shut the lions' mouths, and they have not harmed me, inasmuch as I was found innocent before him, and also toward you, O king, I have committed no crime. Then the king was very pleased and gave orders for Daniel to be taken up out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den, and no injury whatsoever was found on him because he had trusted in his God. The king then gave orders, and they brought those men who had maliciously accused Daniel, and they cast them, their children, and their wives into the lion's den, and they had not reached the bottom of the den before the lions overpowered them and crushed all their bones. Then Darius the king wrote to all the peoples, nations, and men of every language who were living in all the land, may your peace abound. I make a decree that in all the dominion of my kingdom, men are to fear and tremble before the God of Daniel. I always get choked up at this part, you know, because this is, this is so emotional. <clears throat> For he is the living God and enduring forever. Yeah, he is. And his kingdom is one which will not be destroyed. And his dominion will be forever. He delivers and rescues and performs signs and wonders in heaven and on earth. Who has also delivered Daniel from the power of the lions. So this Daniel enjoyed success in the reign of Darius and in the reign of Cyrus the Persian. Ugh. If there's anybody ever in the Bible that I want to meet, it would be totally Daniel. I mean, this guy, um, you know, he had no compromise. He was literally wholehearted. Um, his wholehearted devotion was to the God of Israel, his God. He had no, he had that relationship with God. He, you know, um, and we don't see a lot of conversations between God and Daniel in, in Daniel, but what we saw here is the government evildoers mandating death if Daniel decided to compromise his faith. And I would argue that in today's day and age, that that is very close to what is happening in the whole world. I believe the church is underground right now. I mean, the real church. 
I think there is a quote visible church in in the world. I think there are a lot of nominal Christian believers. I think there are church goers extraordinaire, just like there's a ton of hirelings in the in the pulpit. But I think real believers they're the ones that you're gonna you're gonna see in the media, and you're gonna be seeing them more and more because they're gonna be taken to jail soon. I believe I will declare it here. I don't want to say it, but I will. I think Pastor Jack Hibbs will be in jail soon. I do. I think that they will arrest him at some point. And <laughs> California, uh, they don't like that man, and they don't like uh, some of these other people because Jack Hibbs has not compromised on anything, um, and he is he's a, he's a pastor that you know he isn't going to bow to the government. And I know Randall wants to say something, which is perfect because this could be the time of the show where we have Randall's rant. And I'm not sure if we do or not, but we'll see. No, but I just wanted to make one observation about Daniel chapter six there. And that is a little background. How old do you suppose Daniel was at that time when he was one of the commissioners? Um, I would say he was older, for sure. Uh, yeah, he was older than when he first came, you know, when came first out of exile, you know, as part of those kidnapped, basically, from Judah and brought to Babylon. He was a teen then, uh, much like much like the Nazis did and kidnapped young boys from their homes and, you know, brought them up in the ways of the Third Reich. Anyway, um Similar thing, you know, learn the language, all this kind of stuff, and, you know, to be servants of the king. Anyway, but the not only, I mean, it was no longer Babylon then. I mean, been, Babylon had been taken over by the Medo, become the Medo-Persian Empire. Uh, and uh, so, I don't know how many decades has gone by. I was looking to see if it mentioned the age of Daniel, but we go back and look at history. It was several decades have gone by. Yeah. And yet these Maybe he was as old as we are. These so these satraps that were under him, he was a commissioner. Well, they come and bring this accusation. How do they refer to him? The exile from Judah. I mean, good night. <laughs> How many years since he's been in exile from Judah? You know, decades. And and mm. and they're making that division you know he's not one of us you know he didn't he didn't come from here and he's not part of the system i don't care that he's commissioner now one of three people that oversee all the kingdom he's still that exile from judah that's where you should play that dun 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 thing i i don't i have the sad i think it's this oh i don't i can't hear it okay yeah. Anyway, um, a new toy. We got to play with it. All right, she wants to play with it. Good thing it's on this side of the table. <laughs> um, if it was on my side of the table, you guys know I would be laugh tracking myself constantly. I'd be right. like, "That was funny." <laughs> uh, all right. So, anyway, um. Mm. Anyway, so I just wanted to point that out. And as we get into this universal vaccine agenda, just to reiterate, it's not about vaccine. It's not the mark of the beast. And no. you're going to, you know, you'll go to perdition if you, t- you know, if you, hey, that's, it's, 
the vaccine in and of itself, I think, is just a a medical. What's the word I'm looking for? Um, tool, tool, therapy, whatever. You know, it's it's just it's just out there, and there are other medical therapies out there, uh, and it's like. Well, on the on the face of it, the vaccine is about preventing COVID deaths um, because getting COVID for most people is like having other, you know, types of the SARS virus, the flus, you know, right. uh, the various flus that have <clears throat> gone around. Um, I, I at, no. Anyway, and so... But it's not about the vaccine. It's about the agenda. And there's a whole agenda around it, as we'll get into in the news. So I just wanted to put that disclaimer. It's not like the vaccine, the vaccine, the vaccine is evil. And you're, and you're, and you know, and you're, and you're doomed if you take it. You know, whatever you think it's going to help you, fine. Whatever. If you don't think it, and you're not. You know, if you don't think it's going to help you and you don't, that's fine too. But there is, just like in Daniel chapter 6, that exile from Judah, part of the agenda and what I see in my Facebook and Twitter feeds is is not the most people, oh, you got the vaccine, that's cool. or It's the extreme divisions. You're a stupid pawn of the, of the government. And you're being microchipped, and you know if you take it, or on the other side, you're a backward science denying hillbilly. <laughs> if you don't take the vaccine, and you're what's wrong with the world, you're you know you're you're hindering the next evolution of mankind, and it's good that your kind disappear. You know it's this this dividing that's going on, and 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 by design. So I'll be quiet. Turn it back to you. Because I'm. I'm really why you tuned in, not him, right? Just give me an amen. <laughs> Just kidding. I mean, come on. Anyway, anyway, yeah, no, it's it's not that. It's the tool. That's why I bring this up. Not because I care so much about where you're at with the vaccine, but the when if you replace vaccine with reading the Bible instead. Then what would you do? Okay, I'm talking. I'm talking about serious Christians, not you know. I'm talking about disciples. If the government mandated that you could no longer read your Bible, what would you do? If it said you can't buy food because you're one of those Bible readers, what would you do? If it said you can't work here because you read the Bible, what would you do? I mean, equating that with your faith, right? They've already done this, okay? This has been done in communist countries, you know, Islamic countries. That's why the church is underground in these countries. Although God is doing some interesting things over in China, for sure. Uh, but North Korea, you know, the Muslim nations, the 1040 window, which is where most of the, the missionaries are going. Um, you know, these believers are brothers and sisters, and they have to make these choices. Afghanistan. Right? What would you do? Will you stand against the universal vaccine agenda or the universal agenda the devil has to wipe you out as a Christian? 
because it will come to that at some point. I've read the book of Revelation. Beheadings are on their way. Uh, They happen already today. They just don't happen here in America. They could. They might. They might in our lifetime. You know, as somebody in my 50s, I'm thinking, okay, let's say, and Randall and I have talked about this. We've talked about, huh, you know, maybe in 20 or 30 years, you know, this whole agenda that they're trying to roll out right now. Because think about it. We just remembered the 20th anniversary of 9-11. It took 20 years from 9-11 to this. So what's going to happen 20 years from now? When a lot of you are grandparents, you have grandchildren who are babies right now. What's going to happen to your kids, your grandkids? That is a very chilling thought. Um, And um, so Christian parents today, you can see them fighting against these mask mandates to protect their kids. Um, But the question is, what happens to a society when children are no longer valued or protected? And I would say America has devalued children for decades because of abortion. You know, and of course, the the educational indoctrination happening. That's been going on for years as well. I mean, I've been covering it for almost 20 years myself. So, and I was indoctrinated into it when I was in high school. So, I mean, there's, there's patterns to watch and there's signs to look for, red flags, if you will. Um, And just like, you know, if you're in a an abusive relationship, you get used to, you see people who have certain patterns and red flags come up, you know, you might ignore one or two because you're not sure yet. I did that. And maybe you're like, hmm, you know, maybe this is, I don't know, I'll give the guy a chance. But then after you see the pervasive pattern of whatever it is they're doing to hurt you, eventually you get out. You know, I used to teach, um, um, I, I, well, I used to, um, yeah, well, I, I was a therapist teacher in a domestic violence shelter for three years in California. You know, one of the things that um, that I learned is that, you know, people who are in domestic violence situations, um, women in general, usually it's not men, but there are men, but predominantly women who are abused, um, people will ask, um, well, why do you stay? Well, because they go through this phase. They go through the love bombing phase where they love bomb the person and then they begin to go through the devalue stage where they're devaluing them and then, you know, they come back and they apologize and, and, the, and you know, you'll often hear the woman say, well, he brought me flowers. He said he, he's never going to do it again, right? Well, you know, at some point, the flowers that are going to be brought to a victim of domestic violence if they don't leave those flowers are going to end up on the grave of that person because they didn't heed the red flags and they didn't have the courage to step out of the pattern where they were being abused. That's the same with nations. Nations fall because they don't look at history and go, huh, you know, over there, they did this, this, and this, and when they didn't do that, they fell. Well, what we know from the word of God is that there's got to be a one world government. That one world government is going to be led by an unholy trinity, the Antichrist at the head of it, right? The Antichrist, you know, this isn't some like unknown entity and what he's going to be opposing. (laughs) 
he's going to be opposing Christ, just so you know. And so if you're a Christ follower, then guess what? The government's going to come after you at some point, unless you're dead. If you're dead, then you're fine. But so the question is, will you stand when that happens? This vaccine thing is a trial run, in my opinion. Um you know, and, and, you know, it's bringing up a lot of questions. And the media is creating a ton of division with people. It's the media. Listen to the media. The media, if you, if you suck it in, you know, you're, you're going to hear, well, I got it because of this. No, I can't hang out with you. And then, <laughs> and you're like, ah, you know. So, anyway, with that said, let's look at some of the news. Dr. Fauci uh, we have a video of him, and this is over on thegatewaypundit.com. And whenever you're ready for that to play it, I don't know if there's a commercial or not, hopefully. You want to play the video, take it. Yeah, I thought so. That's why I sent it to you. Okay, I thought you just wanted to. Oh, I could just read it, though. Let's, I, um, I can. I can. Yeah, well, no, just video. play the video because there's really no text to read. But anyway, we can trust everything Dr. Fauci says, right? Did you just say yes to that? No. No, I was going to say. No, you didn't. I asked you out there. Um, but you can trust Jesus with everything he said, because everything he said was true, not a lie. Um, and while you're doing that, I will say hi to Forrest and Jerry and Deborah and three other people who are who are watching us still <laughs> you are the remnant yeah you are <laughs> uh, i have to tell you it's so nice to have a remnant watching us because i really do believe that honestly this show is for, for the remnant so <laughs> uh all right so this looks like it was on was morning joe or something is that right i don't know it's on MSNBC, which means you can't trust it, just so you know. Uh, anything with a C in it, you can't trust. See, my show has B and R on purpose. Uh, we intentionally left, you know, the C out. Okay, he, he did join Morning Joe about the coronavirus pandemic which we're all living through right now. Well, let me make sure. Well, we'll see. Okay. How this goes here. Do we know that the virus travels when people move around the country? Don Bayer, the Democratic congressman from Virginia, um, has a bill proposing that people traveling within the United States on airplanes and trains should either be vaccinated or provide proof of a negative COVID test. This is very common practice now in Europe. I've just been traveling all over Europe. You can't get on a plane without having some kind of proof that you're negative. It seems to me crazy that a year and a half into this, you can still, I can still get on a plane to Boston or California and nobody's going to check me. Do you think that needs to change? Well, that's under consideration, certainly. I mean, I, I have been asked that question and it actually got, got some play in the press when I made the answer. I think that if, in fact, it is seriously considered, it's on the table, we're not there yet. In fact, if you look at the six-point program that the president came out with a couple of days 
what we were talking about with travel was doubling the fines of people who, in fact, are traveling and don't get tested. And I and I believe that the idea about requiring vaccination for travel is something that is on the table for discussion. It has not been decided yet. Dr. Fauci, good morning. It's John. Apparently, that's the end of that video. So that's the end of that video. <laughs> uh, it's on the table. Yeah, it is. So it's on the table to, you know. Hmm. You know, um, maybe I'm just imaginative or watch too much, uh, you know, sci-fi or whatever. But back... Going back to 9-11 and, and then the whole creation, well, the, not the creation of, but the expansion of the TSA and the checking your shoes and your belts and, you know, and all that kind of stuff and uh, the body scans and all that is a result of coming out of that, in the Patriot Act and all that kind of stuff and making it safer. I said then that, safer. yeah. <laughs> I said then that the I thought the whole purpose of that was to discourage travel. travel. Mm-hmm. And but why would you want to discourage travel? Because and this is where we go back to the influence of Hollywood, I guess, of all things. But um, wag the dog. And I guess it was probably a book before it was a movie with Dustin Hoffman, where the the president. There's some sort of scandal and to take people's attention off of it, divert it. They created this war somewhere and some, you know, overseas. And anyway, just staged the whole thing. But who knows whether or not it was true. You know, everybody bought it because they're showing these live reports and stuff like that. Anyway, and then you look at Jericho, that TV series. One of our favorite you know, where the news was, you know, go to this town and where so-and-so hear something, and, you know, because communications were down. And where communications are down, then it's it's difficult to verify anything. Uh, you know, they can tell you that this is going on here and that's going on there. and um, But if no no one else is going in and out of there, then you just have to take the word of the... Of the, you know, of the C broadcast. <laughs> broadcast with the C in there. You've got, you've got a call. Uh, it said Pacific here. Yeah. Okay. Anyway. I don't know why they're calling me. I don't even know who they are. Anyway, maybe that's just real imaginative. But I just think it's these, much like we read in Matthew chapter 24, where Jesus said there's, you know, these things, but they are but the beginning of, of sorrows in the old King James. The, the Greek there's about birth pangs and is, you know, as uh, labor pains start, you know, they become more intense and closer together as, as time goes. Uh, when you start to hear the rumors of wars and this pestilence, it's, it's the beginning of things. It's just, it's just, mm-hmm. it's the beginning of those labor pains that they're going to get more intense close together and like you say you think this whole uh the vaccine agenda is sort of a trial run for 
you know, something else. It's not going to be the vaccine. It's going to be ultimately, if you don't worship the beast, you know, or by getting the mark and you then you can't buy or sell and all that kind of stuff. Well, you gotta, but, you gotta ask yourself here. I say it again, I should get something with that on there. You gotta you ask, ask yourself, yourself, why are they banning conservative biblical shows? Why are they hiding all that? Yeah. And dissenting. Yes, we are living in the days of Noah for sure. And, and there's in this next, uh, you know, the next story from the blaze, but it's not just the blaze. I've been watching, uh, <laughs> clips on, yeah. YouTube from alternative media, alternative media being people with their own cell phone and according to what's going on in Australia. But I'll turn it back to you yeah. for that. And, you know, it's interesting. I have a unique position because I've done this for so long. I know people everywhere. I'm so great. <laughs> Just kidding. I'm so not great. But anyway, I, I am. Anyway, I have people send me stuff all the time. I had somebody send me this and, and I read I read this um on the Epic Times, and, and I am going to get to that in just a second. But I just want to remind you, because Forrest put in the comment this is the, that the vaccine is causing deaths. Yeah, it is. According to this, this comes from the Vaccine Adverse Event Reporting System. Okay? Okay. A total, in total, as of the time they did that, it's higher now, no doubt, 491,218 adverse reactions to the vaccine. Okay? including 11,415 deaths, 11,221 permanent disabilities, 3,313 Bell's palsy, 1,172 miscarriages, 4,381 heart attacks, 100,000 plus ER hospitalizations. And then um, they wrote in the article, these freak breakthroughs are happening in America, Europe, Australia, Asia, and Africa. Okay. And then it says, and it's enough to make anyone pause and rethink their decisions. Well, I would say that it actually isn't enough to make most people pause because <laughs> they don't pay attention. But you can find that on, on the, I think it's the CDC website, the, VAR, the Va Vaccine Adverse Event Reporting System. It's a government website. The government, it's a government website. And, and admittedly, it's a self-reporting system. It's reported from the field. And, and the naysayers will say, yeah, Russian hackers. The Russian hackers are back. And they're entering all this stuff at deaths, whatever. But you look at, you can look at the stats of who's reporting. And 60 plus percent of the majority are reported by licensed healthcare yeah. workers. Well, and what I'll say Unless is... they're falsifying, they're Russian hackers okay. falsifying their identity but and see, credentials. I know a lot of people, and people tell me what happens to them. I know people who've had numerous heart attacks that took this vaccine. I know people, unfortunately, who's lost children, the miscarriages. I mean, <clears throat> it, it's, you know, got to ask yourself. All right. So this article from The Blaze, David Horowitz, or Daniel Horowitz, rather, uh, <clears throat> he, he, the article is titled, Australia admits it's banning ivermectin for COVID because it interferes with the universal vaccine agenda. And th this has been the latest. Okay, so it says here, why in the world would anyone want to ban a medicine that is listed as a WHO, World Health Organization, essential safe medicine, won the Nobel Prize, and has turned around millions of people with COVID from death's doorstep? 
The Australians have now let the cat out of the bag. The reason is because it works and it will eradicate COVID along with the agenda from control to vaccination that they have built upon its existence. Last Friday, the Therapeutic Goods Administration of Australia officially banned the prescribing of ivermectin for COVID-19 or any other uses besides parasitic infections. One would think that a country that forged a policy of zero COVID would want to aggressively treat this virus with everything that has proven to work and actually achieve literal zero COVID as the Indian state of Uttar Pradesh did with the use of ivermectin. But indeed, this is not about getting rid of COVID, but about perpetuating the control and cronyism harnessed through COVID. The three reasons given for the TGA's decision were as shocking as they were revealing. Firstly, there are a number of significant public health risks associated with taking ivermectin, begins the statement. If you stop reading at that point mid-sentence, you're likely wondering how a drug that was praised more than any other drug in recent decades and was used safely billions of times could suddenly cause such terrible problems. However, when you complete the sentence, you will understand what sort of, quote, risk, unquote, they are referring to. Here's the full explanation. Firstly, there are a number of significant public health risks associated with taking ivermectin in an attempt to prevent COVID-19 infection rather than getting vaccinated. Individuals who believe that they are protected from infection by taking ivermectin may choose not to get tested or to seek medical care if they experience symptoms. Doing so has the potential to spread the risk of COVID-19 infection throughout the community. That's it. That is the reason they are not only opposed ivermectin here in Australia, but also opposed uh, hydrochloroquine, hydroxychloroquine. I don't know how to say that. Boots. Who writes this stuff? Who writes these names? However you say that word, phenofibrate, and any all forms of preventative outpatient treatment. Doctors have even told me they have had prescriptions blocked by pharmacists for antibiotics or prednisone if they think that they're being used for COVID. This is the most evident admission yet from the Australian government that it can't afford to get rid of the virus with something so cheap because it would will obviate the need for the vaccine and the totalitarian agenda accompanying it. The irony is supremely rich given that they're falsely projecting in ivermectin a weakness that is doubly true of the vaccine. Unlike ivermectin, the vaccine absolutely does not work to stop community spread and its protection against critical illness even wears off after about five to six months, according to Israeli studies, which is why they are pushing third and even fourth shots. And I will tell you, most of my friends who've gotten the vaccine have actually told me privately they will not get it again. These people have been silently spreading the virus for months, thinking they're enjoying the protection traditional vaccines have afforded. I have personally connected dozens of vaccinated people with competent doctors to get treated with therapeutics because they got very sick from the virus. It's the vaccine that is giving people false hope and preventing them from isolating early on and getting the virus treated from day one as they should. A recent Oxford study showed that Vietnamese healthcare workers who were vaccinated were carrying a lo- viral load 251 times greater than those sick with the virus in past months. To the extent that the vaccine still works to ward off serious symptoms for these people, or those people, it allows them to become silent super spreaders. 
That's the irony of all this to me. The irony to me is that the media, including Joe Biden, is like, well, you people, you non-vaxxers, you're evil, you're of the devil, and you're the one spreading the virus. And I'm like, uh, it's actually the people who are vaccinated that are spreading it. But whatever. You can be sick of us if you want, but... Anyway, next, the TGA complains that while it can't assail the underlying safety of one of the safest drugs, officials don't like the dosage being used by doctors prescribing for COVID. Secondly, the doses of ivermectin that are being advocated for ellipsis are significantly higher than those approved and found safe for scabies or parasite treatment. Did I say that right? Was it scabies? Okay. Writes the TGA in the press release, these higher doses can be associated with serious adverse effects, including severe nausea, vomiting, dizziness, neurological effects such as dizziness, seizures, and coma. Just like the vaccine. Right. That sounds valid on the surface, but their very next sentence contradicts the assertion when they complain in their third reason for banning the drug that there has been a three, four-fold increased dispensing of ivermectin prescriptions in recent months. Gee, don't you think that if your relative, friend, or neighbor who was just prescribed ivermectin suffered terrible side effects, the market forces would work pretty efficiently and dissuade people from using it? Doesn't the fact that prescriptions skyrocketed in Australia and even more in the United States indicate that everyone who saw their friends recover so effectively with ivermectin want to experience the same pleasant recovery? In reality, studies have already been done for years showing that ivermectin is safe to take at much higher doses than the 0.2 to 0.6 megs milligrams. milligrams per kilogram of weight that most doctors are prescribing. A 2002 randomized double-blind placebo-controlled trial of ivermectin used a use for head lice in Miami found zero evidence of toxicity even for people taking a 30 to 120 milligrams of ivermectin, exponentially higher than any COVID dosing. I'm actually reading really well today. Yeah, you are. I feel proud of myself. Or <laughs> well pleased. You guys have no idea. You know, I had this I have this speech thing that's an issue sometimes and it's like But anyway. I'm not gonna read the rest of this because it's just too long. Anyway, you guys get the point. Okay. The point is that that um that uh, if Australia is trying to ban this, and they're actually trying to do it other places too, and one of the arguments that I heard actually even this morning as I was listening to somebody is that, well, you know, ivermectin, was it's basically used for horses. So, you know, it's, a, it's an animal vet medicine that we should not take as humans because we would never, ever prescribe a human medicine for, for like a, a dog or anything or a cat, would we? <laughs> all the time all the time right we my my friend mary who i love actually recommended an allergy medicine for my cat and they actually vets will give you the same allergy medicine you can buy like a thousand for 10 bucks on amazon and give the same exact medicine to your pet for allergies that a human takes so anyway let's see here um let's see forest yeah says, our little yeah, our local vet who, you know, wears masks and all that, uh, you know, very con- COVID conscious, said that, um, that 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 antihistamine we're giving a cat was the most prescribed drug for cats. So, anyway, but yeah, 
human beds are using animals all the time. And, and our sweet cat and is doing way better since yeah. we started taking it. And yeah, and and ivermectin, the original use is not for treating, is not a horse dewormer, but it yeah, has been used for that. So yeah. It's 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 like a human med that's been prescribed to animals and and is being played as this animal medication that humans are using. Anyway. Well, and don't forget, you can go to America's Frontline Doctors. I'm going to make sure I got that right. I don't know if it's .org or .com, but you can, yeah, .org. America's Frontline Doctors .com or .org will get you to that same place. And you can go there, and they will give you the medicine for now. Um, seriously, people, you know, this, this is the other thing I have to tell you, too, and... I've seen this happening for years. Um, the helping professions are the professions being targeted here. When we covered the gay agenda for all these years, that was the number one thing I shared after I shared all the evidence, what they were doing, how they were marketing it, was they're targeting the helping professions. I'm in the helping professions. I'm a trained therapist. I left the field because of this stuff. Um, but anyway, th this is um, so evil. I mean, it is. Let's just say it. It's evil, 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 evil. It's wicked what these evil governments do to people. And um, just like Daniel, though, we have a choice. And, and the choice that we have is whether or not we're going to trust God or not. And I'm going to tell you, I struggle with that. <laughs> I'm not going to lie about it. I'm like as human as you are. And it is hard. It's hard. It's hard to be a Christian if you're going to trust God for your provision. You know, and, and, you know, this past year, I've been, uh, you know, I've literally been reading the Bible my whole, pretty much since I was 14. But this past year, seriously, I've gotten into the Word and and read through almost the whole Bible this year. I still got about 10 books left before I'm done. And the year isn't over yet. I still got a few months to get through those 10 books. Fortunately, some of them are minor prophets, so it won't be that bad. But, but as I've read through the Word this year, one of the things that has amazed me, because I've read it slowly, and I've read it with my friends, is that God always delivers His people, but He disciplines His people as well. And sometimes God's chastening is unexpected because people just frankly don't do what God says. I mean, I was reading uh, in Numbers, because I've been reading through Numbers, you know, the Lord told Moses to speak to the rock and water would come out for the Israelites. And Moses hit the rock <laughs> instead, and God was not happy with Moses even though Moses was humble and God's best friend, one of his best friends anyway, um, you know, God was upset because he didn't let, Moses didn't let God's glory be shown through the miracle that God would create. I believe God can do miracles. I'm not a cessationist by any stretch. I think that the Lord, uh, his gifts are for today. And I think that, that you know, if you look at, um, you know, stuff, I think that, I, 
You don't know the power you have as a believer. That's my point. Which is why I want to encourage you a couple of things as we end this episode of, of Bible News Radio. I want to encourage you to pray and ask the Lord to fill you every day with his Holy Spirit. I'm not asking you to say, you know, pray the sinner's prayer and ask God into your life. I'm asking you to consider asking the Holy Spirit, God, to empower you, give you boldness, give you courage, give you the compassion and give you discernment about what's going on today. And he will. As believers, we're told that we have the mind of Christ if we're a believer. I believe the mind of Christ is more obvious the more you read his word. (laughs) Right? I mean, let's just be honest. If you're not reading the Bible, you really don't have the mind of Christ. And I would definitely avoid people who are coming to you saying, Thus saith the Lord, and they're giving you this prophecy or whatever. I, I steer people away from that. Not because I don't think God uses prophecy today, but I think most of what people who unfortunately are in that camp, uh, at least what I've noticed, is oftentimes they are troubled individuals and um, they're not in line with the word. You know, look, there's 66 books in the word of God. Every book he put there for our, our, our instruction if you're not reading it, and I, and this is the thing, I also tell you honestly that I have learned something new. God has taught me something new in every single book that I've read in the Bible, every single one, from Numbers to Leviticus. You know, when I read Leviticus, do you know quarantining is mentioned in Leviticus? Gosh, how applicable to today, you know? I mean, the, you know, they quarantine the ill people, not the healthy ones. Imagine that. Uh, You know, I mean, and I studied Revelation for a year with with my Bible study I taught. And I saw so many things there. And then you're looking at the Gospels. You're looking at the Minor Prophets. You just look at Proverbs and Psalms. The Word of God is so rich. And we eat so little of it compared to the media in the world. Uh, And it's the challenge. The challenge is to be in the world, but not to be of the world. The challenge is to be salt and light in the world, not to be trampled on in the world. You know, that is the challenge. And the challenge is to stand firm because you got to stand firm. If you're not going to stand firm, you're going to be walked over. And here's the thing. I heard somebody, a friend of mine said this. They said, the area where your gift is, Where your gifting is, that's the area the enemy will try to trip you up with. Think about it. So, Peter, the disciple, right? He was bold, loudmouth, wasn't he? (laughs) I'm probably related to him, just saying. Uh, But, you know, he was like, I will never deny you. (laughs) And then a girl asks him, weren't you with that guy? He's like, "Uh, nope, see ya. And then there was a a cock that crowed, and Jesus uh, told Peter he would weep, and he wept bitterly, and he denied him and all that. But then the very thing, the very courage that he lacked, the very courage Peter lacked when he denied Christ before he died, he exhibited when he walked on water. And there's a lesson there, because the devil is devious, he's evil, wicked, he's cunning, he hates you, he's real, 
If you don't think so, look at how dark the world has gotten. We're lights. We're little lights in the world. Our mandate is to be salt and light. Salt preserves, light exposes. If the church doesn't do what we're told, we're going to be in big trouble. You know, I mean, the culture, I mean, the culture is horrible. I mean, I know we like to go, oh, it's so great. We're just so used to living in sewage. You know, I mean, have you ever taken a glass of dirty water and drank it? And then somebody hands you a clean bottle of water and you're like, I kind of drank that instead. We're so used to dirty water. Ugh. But, so I would encourage you to pray and ask God to empower you with his spirit. James chapter 4 verse 8 says, draw near to God and he'll draw near to you. Okay. So here's the thing, you know, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Your faith is not based on your feelings. In fact, nothing in your life should be based on your feelings because your feelings fluctuate. And whereas they may be valid in the moment, they are not an indicator of what truth is. Right? Your feelings are feelings. Feelings. Nothing more than feelings. Anyway. Our faith is based on truth. You know, just because we feel a certain way doesn't mean that something isn't true. The measuring stick to truth is God's word. So if God says in Psalm 119.11, thy word I have treasured in my heart that I might not sin against you, then that's the goal, right? I mean, the goal is to not sin against God. Well, how? Because we've treasured God's word in our heart. That's the truth. Psalm 51, 6 says, Surely thou desires truth in the inner parts. And then it goes on to talk about how he wants to know us. He wants to know us in those inner places. So get real. Get real with God. Repent. Repent of your sins. Tell God you're struggling. Hey, this is the deal, man. This is the situation I'm in. I can't deal with this on my own. Um, it's not easy. Uh, I'm, not, I'm never going to tell you being a Christian is easy. My, my whole Christian walk's been difficult. It's not easy being a Bible believer. It's not easy being a disciple. God told his disciples that they would die. Basically. So, you know, the persecuted church knows that. You know, you decide you're going to confess Christ and live for him. You're basically signing your death warrant in a lot of countries. It could come to that in America. Which is why you got to hide God's word in your heart. Memorize it. Go to BibleMemory.com. Put in two or three scriptures and start memorizing the word. I'm telling you, it's not that hard. It just takes time to do it. Don't be lazy. Don't, don't do it. Don't be lazy. Be disciplined. And that's what God tells us to be. He tells us to be disciplined. And look, we're all guilty of being lazy at some point. But when it comes to this and your eternal life, your eternal salvation, it's not worth it to cut corners. <laughs> You know, it's just not. It's never worth, anything good worth having is worth fighting for. So, <clears throat> you know, that is my encouragement uh, to you. If you're not in one of my Bible studies, uh, I want to encourage you to get in it, you know. I'm not making money for this. I'm not doing it for the money. I'm doing it because, you know what I know? Here's what I know. I know if you come to a Bible study and you get excited about God's word, you're going to tell your friends. 
I also know that if you're a parent or a grandparent and you begin to disciple your, yourself, you're going to begin to disciple those children. You are the best defense against them going to hell if you're sharing the gospel with them. School isn't going to do it, right? I mean, God will pick his own. He plucked me out of, out of hell, basically. But what I will say is that, you know what? Hey, what we're doing is to edify you and encourage you. Hopefully, hopefully that's why you tune in, is to be encouraged and edified and occasionally humored. Um, you know, I'm nobody special. I'm just using the gifts God gave me. You got to use the gifts God gave you. And if you're not, you need to knock that off and need to start using the gifts God gave you so that you can go out and impact more people for his eternity. Right? I mean, let's get real here. What you believe as a Christian most Christians are dying for or being persecuted for right now. If you're living in America, you're not there yet. So now is the time to strengthen yourselves, to be strong, to be courageous, to stand up, to be bold, to go with God, and to know that he loves you because somebody needs to hear it that I can't reach. So you got to go and reach them somewhere, right? So don't be ashamed of the gospel. You know what? And when these cultural issues come up, remember all issues are biblical, and apply what we know from the worldview God has given us in his word to, the, to what's going on today. And I guarantee you, God will open the door for you to share his word and people's lives will be changed. Because you know what? Politics doesn't change people's lives. The gospel does. So with that said, thank you for tuning in. Make sure to go over to hearttug.org. Sign up for our text message list, our email. Come to a Bible study. Uh, donate if you feel led and uh, we will be back Lord willing next week with some other show Uh, by the way thank you for also sharing out the show on YouTube and do me a favor hit like and share it out because that way more people will see it (laughs) and we are advertising we're starting to advertise but like it's going to take a while so we need to help people All right. Okay. So that's it. Hope you have a good day. And those of you who are coming to my Psalm 119 Bible study in two hours, I'll I'll see you soon on Zoom.